You know, we keep our most valuable possessions under lock and key, right? We lock our houses, we lock our cars, there may be valuable papers and things that we lock up in a safe or a safe deposit box. We keep our money in the bank and it requires some kind of key to access all of those things, whether it's an actual physical key or four numbers that we use to unlock certain things. All those things are locked up waiting for us to access them by a key and in a similar way, most important in our lives oftentimes are our relationships and healthy relationships in some ways require some keys and we're thinking those through in this series that i'm calling keys to healthy relationships and some people probably feel like they don't have some of those keys and they really need them to develop healthy relationships in their lives and so we're walking through ephesians 4 and 5 Paul's letter that really feels a little bit like a handbook for the early church where he lays out what it means to be a follower of Jesus and in that he talks a lot about relationships. Now that's true with lots of places in scripture and we could look to different places to get some of these keys because God really cares about how we relate to one another. But in this series, we're keying in especially on Ephesians 4 and 5. Now, when we think about relationships, we know that one of the things that can really damage relationships is anger. Anger is a powerful force, and we have seen that at work. At times, we have seen our own anger, and we've, we've sensed that we were losing control. We've said things, done things that we regret, and we look back on it, and we have to apologize, and we feel bad about how we, we acted in those moments. We've also been in the presence of someone else, maybe not angry with us, but they've been angry with someone. And we felt that discomfort as they began to lose control and they began to use words that, man, really hurt other people. And we've felt very uneasy in that setting. And then there have been times when someone has been angry with us personally. Maybe it's justified, maybe not, but they were really mad at us and we felt that, felt braced about how they feel about us in that moment and how unpleasant that is. Anger is powerful and it really makes a difference. Now, sometimes when we get angry, like we recognize not long after the anger subsides a little bit, like that was out of line. Like, why in the world was I so angry about this? It really wasn't that big a deal, and we feel bad about it. Like, I, I just shouldn't have been so upset, and, and after a few minutes, we're not. But then there are other times when it feels like our anger is justified. I should have been angry. That person did something that really hurt me or hurt someone that I love, and because of what they've done, I am pretty upset about this. Big things and small things. A few weeks ago, some of you were there too. We were at the music festival at the high school and the gym. You got elementary kids, junior high, high school. They're all singing in choirs and playing in bands. And we got there early, got a decent seat. And then right before it all started, this group of people came in and stood like right behind us. And then the concert's getting started and everyone quiets down except these people right here, right? And they're talking like they're outside at a barbecue. They're talking about how terrible their husbands are, how terrible their kids are, how much they hate their jobs. Just like this, you know? And you could just feel 
like the anger welling up in the people all around us. I mean, people were looking back at him, giving him dirty looks that they were completely ignoring. Just kept talking as kids are singing. And finally, the guy next to me turns around and says, listen, we came to hear the music and we can't do that while y'all are talking. And I thought applause was going to break out in that moment, right? Like, yes, we're angry. We're tired of them talking. And they quieted down a little for a while, okay? It felt justified. Look, these people are being obnoxious, right? Just be quiet. Sometimes we feel that way. And sometimes it can be far more serious than that. Someone has done something, said something that really wounds us or wounds someone that we care about deeply, and so our anger feels justified. So what do we do with that anger? How do we deal with it? We know it's dangerous. We know it can cause problems. So what do we do with it? Well, Paul gives some instruction. Remember that in Ephesians, Paul is really, especially the second half, is making this contrast. He's saying, this is the life you used to have. You used to be Jews that followed the Old Testament, came to believe in Jesus, or you were pagans who had all these gods or worshipped the emperor, and now you follow Jesus. This is how your life needs to change, Paul says. Okay, This is how it's going to look now. And so he draws that contrast in this second half of the book that's really practical. And last week we talked about a couple verses, verses 25 and 28 of chapter 4. That sort of bookends for what we're going to talk about this week, which is verses 26 and 27, where Paul deals especially with anger. This is what he says. In your anger... Do not sin. Now let's pause right there. Up to that point, this verse is a quotation of Psalm 4, verse 4. Now, Paul is quoting the Greek Old Testament. So Old Testament written in Hebrew, translated into Greek because everybody in the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire speaks Greek. They need it so everyone can understand it. So he uses the regular Greek word for anger. All right. So in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So Paul opens with saying, listen, your anger has the potential to lead you to sin, right? It can get you in trouble. And in fact, that's not news. That's something that the, the writers of the Psalms, and if we look at the Proverbs and some of the prophets, so hundreds of years ago, people were writing about just how powerful and dangerous anger is. Okay, So this is nothing new. You, the, you who are Jews, you've, you've read this before, but don't let your anger lead you to sin because it can take you to some very dangerous places. So let's recognize that up front. So we need to deal with that anger before it gets us to sin. How do we do that? Paul gives us a little instruction. He says, the rest of that verse, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So put your anger to bed before you go to bed. Now here's what's interesting. The first part of that verse is a quotation. Paul uses the regular, average, ordinary, everyday word for anger. But then in the second part of the verse, do not let the sun go down on your anger, the second word for anger here is different. And it's the kind of anger that Paul's pointing to that includes feeling justified in your anger. So even when you feel like you should be angry because somebody's done something obnoxious that really hurt you, that made a difference in your life, even then, don't carry your anger with you 
to the next day. Now that's a little harder, right? I mean, if somebody just cuts us off at a stop sign, I mean, those kinds of things that are here and there and then gone, like, or I recognize I shouldn't be that angry about it anyway, I can put that to bed before I go to bed. But when it is justified anger, like, I have a right to be angry about this, that's really hard to say, okay, I'm done with it before I'm going to bed. It is hard to just like turn a switch and turn anger off or on. So how do we do that? I mean, what is Paul really calling us to do? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Well, see, what Paul understood was that carrying anger is a burden. And when we carry anger from this day into the next day, to the next week, to the next year, to the next decade, and some of us have done it, it is a burden. And it can change us. Like our anger can change the kind of person that we are. It can make us bitter. People will recognize that we are angry people. And Paul is saying, don't let that happen. Go ahead and make the decision to put your anger to bed before you go to bed, even when it's hard, even when you feel justified in that. And then verse 27, don't give the devil a foothold. Paul recognized that when we carry anger forward, when we carry it into the next day and the next year, we are allowing Satan a place in our life. This is how it works. We've sort of carried a theme forward in the past few weeks that we are created in God's image. We're told that all the way back in Genesis. And part of our mission, our goal in life, is to bear the image of God to the people around us. I mean, at our core, that's what we're called to do, to show people who God is by the way that we act, the way that we speak. Okay? They should see God in us. But when what they see is our anger, maybe not even directed toward them, but our refusal to forgive, our refusal to move on, sort of holding on to that bitterness and becoming more and more bitter, it mars the image of God in us so that we are less capable of bearing God's image to the people around us. That's what Paul's talking about. We are giving the devil a foothold. We are giving him a place in our lives so that we cannot fulfill the mission that God has given us in the way that he wants us to. So, if we had to sort of take what Paul's saying and boil it down, and even though anger, when we sometimes think we've got it defeated, comes back and it's all present in a moment, what are we getting at? And I'd word it this way. Don't let anger in the driver's seat. Okay, there's lots of things that can, can be in the driver's seat of your life. There are lots of things that can sort of dictate where you're going, what path you take, and how you get there, okay? Anger is one of those things you want to keep out of the driver's seat. Now, there's lots of potential dangerous, unhealthy drivers for your life. Your desire sometimes can take you in the wrong direction. Your misunderstandings, your fear, all those things can take us in the wrong direction. They're bad drivers. But anger is an especially bad one, right? I mean, in, in a real life, physical sense, I really don't want to be on a bus whose driver is angry because he can make that bus or she can make that bus a weapon, right? 
And if anger is in the driver's seat of your life, anger can make your life, can make you a weapon. Because you have words inside that can really destroy. And we can even be violent. Don't let anger in the driver's seat because when we do, man, we're back to giving the devil a foothold. So what do we do? I think there's some practical things that we can do to keep anger from being in the driver's seat in our lives. First of all, pray. You know, our tendency is, I'm angry. This person has done this thing. I feel justified, right? I, I've got to deal with this. And maybe we sense that we're getting out of control. And so we try to push it down. We try to, try to deal with it in, in our own strength. I can handle it. And we find out the anger keeps coming back, keeps welling up. We're not dealing with it. And then we decide to pray about it. Seems to me that the call of Scripture from beginning to end is when we develop that anger, when we see anything that's giving the devil a foothold, anything that's dangerous, the first thing that we should do is pray. So God, help me to understand. God, help me to to put this anger to bed. God, help me to maintain control even in the midst of my anger. What's interesting is the way Paul words this is, in your anger, do not sin. Going back to the Psalms, it's not never be angry, is it? Paul doesn't say don't ever get angry because we're going to get angry. It's part of human nature. Sometimes we can't help that at least from coming into our hearts and minds. So, Part of this is praying that God would help us to maintain control even when we do get angry. In your anger, do not sin. God, help me to make sure that my anger doesn't lead to sin. So pray first. Second, talk to the person, deal with the person who's caused the anger. Okay, when it's possible. It won't always be, we'll get to that in a minute. But but when there's a person who's caused us something, some kind of pain, fear that has developed into anger and we can go talk to that person, man, that's so much better, right? Especially if it's family, someone we got to live with, a spouse, a child, a parent, a brother, a sister, any of those that we're going to be dealing with long term, so much better to go and talk to the person. Maybe there's a misunderstanding. Maybe they're ready to apologize. Maybe we can work out what's going on in the dynamic of the relationship that suddenly erupted into anger and we can deal with it instead of carrying it forward. That's one of the best ways to put it to bed before we go to bed. Now, there are times when we just can't do this, right? I mean, there are certain people who won't talk to us about what's caused all the anger. There are times when we have carried the anger for so long that the person we're angry with is gone. Like they don't live here anymore or they're dead. We can't talk to them. So what do we do? Well, I would suggest that even though it feels goofy in a way, write about it. Write them a letter. A letter you're never going to send, a letter you're probably going to throw away, but somehow verbalizing what's going on in our hearts and minds that is causing all that anger can help us process it and get rid of it. That keeps us from sinning in our anger. It keeps us from allowing the devil a foothold. It keeps us from allowing 
anger to be in the driver's seat of our lives. It displaces the anger, which is what we need to do. Okay? It's to talk to that person, deal with that person. And then finally, decide to let go. Be intentional. I mean, I think that's what Paul's saying when he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Make the decision. Now, you may have to make the decision again, okay? Tomorrow, next week. But make the decision, I'm going to let this go because I don't want to be the person that anger controls. I don't want to develop that bitterness and rage in my life because I'm always angry about something. It goes back to prayer, same part, but... Just making that intentional decision, I am not going to give the devil a foothold. I'm going to release this anger. The decision can go a long way to helping us get in the place that we should be, the place that God wants us to be. Here's the thing. Some of you woke up this morning angry. You're angry with someone. And, and maybe it is, was, will be justified. Like they did something that hurt. Okay. You've got a choice. Do you want that anger to be in control? Or do you want God to be in control of your life? I mean, God has chosen to give to us what we did not deserve. Forgiveness. And when we release that anger, we are releasing some control. We are saying... I'm not going to hang on to this. I'm going to let them off. I don't want to, but I'm going to. Because I don't want them and the anger to be in control of my life. Don't let anger in the driver's seat. Let's pray together. God, we know that we've been angry at times when we shouldn't have been and sometimes when it was justified. But even today, as we are in this place for worship, there may be anger in our hearts. And God, we pray that you'll help us to release it, to let it go fully, to make sure that it is not controlling us. God, help us to deal with it in the best way possible through your spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.